Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to our first hour in a new decade, that of 2010. And a happy new year to all of you. I've got a little bit of a, let's, let's put it this way. I'm on the other side of a little bit of a cold today. I don't think we're going to have any hiccups, but if we do, well, I apologize to you in advance. We welcome you to another hour of provocative enlightenment, an hour dedicated to the discovery of illumination. Indeed, we will go wherever mind might take us during this next hour, all the while aware and questioning the nature of life, of being human, of logic and reason. For this is an hour focused on the real philosophy behind the meaning of our values and existence and how we derive the assumptions we live by. It is an hour where we admit that our foregone conclusions could be all wrong. And in that way, truly open ourselves up to the possibility of a new kind of understanding that in some way, somehow, may indeed lead to that elusive state known as enlightenment. Enlightenment is a term used to describe a time in Western philosophy and cultural life centered about the 18th century, in which reason was advocated as the primary source and legitimacy for authority. A clear departure from the old Aristotelian tradition that for hundreds of years had simply assumed everything has been worked out by the sages of the past, so it's not necessary to question the line of authority. Today, we look at enlightenment as dynamic, indeed, as an evolving process where reason plays a critical role, but is not the only criteria. For what of those things that exist, the existential or the phenomenological, and for which we have no adequate understanding? It has been said that enlightenment comes in the dark. What does dark mean? It can mean many things, including ignorance. That which we refuse to investigate, resist without reason, discard out of blind obedience, label as beneath us without warrant, all of these things and more are indeed elements of ignorance. In this next hour, we by design step above the ignorance and look directly into the alternatives that may hold truth or be valid for each of us in our daily lives. And what does that mean, valid in our lives? To me, it means simply this. It is a leg up on understanding yourself and the world around you and in making a genuine contribution that fulfills something within your heart and gives rise to knowing that your life matters, truly matters. All right, to our letters. Each week I choose three to four letters to air honoring your feedback. I do very much appreciate all of your correspondence, so if your letter doesn't get on the air, please nevertheless know that I personally read it and in most instances, I'll personally answer it. I invite you to opine by leaving your comments at eldentaylor.com or by posting them on my Facebook page. Now, Will wrote, Dear Eldon, I want to thank you for the brilliant, well-balanced, pragmatic, and mind-expanding Hay House radio show. Very, very good, so thank you. We need more of a similar, similar quality, both written and on the airwaves. Well, thank you, Will. I don't know how much I owe you for that one, but... I'd certainly pay you <laughs> at least a signed copy of Choices and Illusions. Roy wrote, love your show and everything you guys do. Well, we love all of you, and we do hope our work offers something unique and worthwhile for all of you. Corey wrote, I was a volunteer at Hay House, I Can Do It, 2009 in Tampa, Florida, and I would like to enjoy the free MP3s that Dr. Taylor offered. Okay. 
All of those free Intertalk subliminal and hypnotic MP3 files are available by going again to eldentaylor.com. Use the left-hand navigation and open the link titled Free Programs. There are a number of them there, and they're, they're all there for you. They're not samples. They're the real deal. This is the scientifically proven, effective, and patented Intertalk uh, technology. All right. Philip wrote regarding the free MP3 programs. This is a great way to show selflessness. I will certainly be returning to your site. I've also purchased Choices and Illusions. Well, thanks, Phillips, and I hope Philip, and I hope you enjoy the book. It continues to be a bestseller, and I do want to thank all of you out there for making that possible. And Kelly wrote, I am enlightened by your radio program. I have only recently discovered Hay House Radio, but it was a divine deliverance. I have always been a positive happy and strong person, but have fallen the last two years into a pit of darkness after many rapidly subsequent painful experiences. Your program, along with other Hay House programs, have renewed my spirit and lifted it far beyond where I even knew it could rise. Thank you for your loving gifts. Kelly, thank you. Your story is why we do what we do do. Okay, and again, all of you out there, uh, thank you for your comments and letters. I do love reading them. This week, we're going to stretch our understanding of consciousness by examining shamanism. I remember being told as a child all about one of my distant relatives, Sitting Bull. The Agalala Sioux shaman, known largely for his history or for history's account of him, at the Little Bighorn, in General Custard, of course. Sitting Bull, it is said, was given that name because he would sit amidst the buffalo for hours on end and never disturb the buffalo or be disturbed by them. His visions are legendary as were his other powers, so much so that the military had him assassinated while under arrest. Were these powers truly independently real, or was it just a matter of what his fellow tribesmen believed? Shamanism is not lost from our modern world of technology. You may not see it everywhere, but it exists. For a shaman, controlling things like weather, talking to animals, healing the sick, having visions of the future, and so forth, are all within the scope of normal affairs. Defined by our modern texts, shamanism comprises a range of traditional beliefs and practices concerned with communication with the spirit world. It is a prominent term in anthropological research and encountered around the world in many cultures. There are numerous variations of shamanism, but several common beliefs are shared by all forms. Shamans are intermediaries between the human and spirit worlds. Some say they can even shapeshift. Shamanism and animism are related. These are traditional belief systems that consider the entire universe to be alive and interconnected. Shamanism in practice is used to heal and enlighten using ceremonies that can include rhythmic music, mind-altering drugs, and mythic journeys into the subconscious. So now in today's show, and our special guest, a shaman of course, we'll be looking at shamanism. Is this a natural state of consciousness? Often scoffed at by some who hold out credentials and scholarship, shamans nevertheless do things for which our science has no direct method to explain. These anomalies are ignored by many rather than seriously studied. 
As for myself, there was a time that I thought of shamanism as a hokey, superstitious kind of nonsense. I don't any longer. First-hand experience has taught me otherwise. I've been fortunate to know more than one real-life shaman, and my guest today is one of them. But first, you now know what I think, but we want your thoughts and opinions. What are your ideas and questions? Join us in our chat room or call in on our toll-free number, 1-866-254-1579. And international callers can dial the country code, then 760-918-4300. My guest today is a fellow Hay House author, a man many have simply called The Real Deal and one I'm proud to call a friend. In fact, this is what Christian Northrup had to say about Peter Calhoun. Peter Calhoun is a 21st century Carlos Castaneda. His book is alive with insight, compassion, magic, and hope that we can apply to our own lives right now. These stories are amazing, and they're all true. Now, of course, she's talking about Soul on Fire. Peter Calhoun is a graduate from Auburn University and the Episcopal Seminary of Alexandria, Virginia. After his ordination, he served as an Episcopal priest for eight years in three parishes and a mission church in Atlanta, in the Atlanta, Georgia area. During his work as a priest, Peter underwent a spontaneous awakening of some of the healing and intuitive abilities described in his autobiographical book, Soul on Fire. A Transformational Journey from Priest to Shaman. This awakening included a series of disturbing visions of the possible futures of the earth. It was these events, along with Calhoun's deepening concern over the state of our disconnection from the earth and her environment that caused him to make a reluctant departure from the institutional church and embark on the path of modern shamanism that has been his life for more than three decades. Now, before I officially welcome our intuitive shaman, Peter, to the show, and an intuitive, of course, is one that, for all intent and purposes, has the ability to answer questions for you individually, but we'll come to that in a minute. I want to add this. If you have not read his book, Soul on Fire, get a copy and read it. In the future, we will be doing one show a month around a book I personally recommend. We will inform you of the book a month in advance so you have time to read it. Then we will interview our author from your perspective. That is, you will have the ability to submit questions way in advance and or to call in and, and speak to the, to the author yourself directly. And I'll just play moderator to the show. You'll be doing the interviewing. Had we made this plan earlier, this would have been the first book I would have suggested. Peter Calhoun, it is my sincere pleasure to welcome you to Provocative Enlightenment. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Alden, and it's good to talk with you again. It's always my pleasure. For our listening audience, tell us a little bit about what it's like to go from the Orthodox cloth, the Episcopal, uh, Episcopal faith, to such an unorthodox, revolutionary, 21st century calling as shamanism. Uh, surprisingly, uh, to me, it was like coming home. Uh, I uh, I had the feeling of having done this uh, many times before. It was as if there was an ancient knowledge uh, uh, that I that was reawakening in me, uh, where it came from, how I 
I had uh, access to this knowledge. I, I had no idea at the time, but it, it was truly, truly like coming home. I said, this is something that I know is is true and, and is right. And uh, I uh, had already learned not to trust the experts, that most of the things that I'd been told about uh, reality and, and the nature of the world and the nature of us as human beings had proved wrong in my research. So I think at the time I was very open uh, to the revelations that came to me uh, as I discovered uh, shamanism. Yeah, but Peter, how does that? I mean, how does that square with being uh, a Christian and, and the Christian view of the world? Uh, do you see that they do indeed do that, or are they are they complete departures from one another? I would say that uh, there is a a very uh, ancient tie. Uh, of all of the major religions to shamanism. And uh, you, one can still find that, uh, vestiges of that in Christianity. Uh, my problem with, uh, with uh, Christianity as it's taught today, as it's taught in the churches, is that I feel that, that much of the uh, original knowledge had, had been lost or had been edited out for political reasons. For example, uh, reincarnation was originally a part of the teachings of, of Christianity, and it was edited out uh, by uh, the Emperor uh, Justin, uh, whose uh, wife Theodora uh, was had been a prostitute, and she had requested it be taken out, uh, voted out in the councils, because uh, she didn't want to have to come back uh, to pay for her sins. So it, uh, it, this was, uh, we, we find that, that there are references to reincarnation in the scriptures and the early Christian writers. Uh, so it, I feel that we, we lost something. This is just one of many cases in which we lost something very valuable. Uh, yes, go ahead. No, you're you're speaking of the Third Ecumenical Council at Nicaea. Yeah, at Nicaea. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Then. I'm the sorry. Council of Nicaea in 553, uh-huh. and and uh, so it was voted out, and just by a very narrow margin, and uh, even though it was uh, manipulated by the emperor, uh, so we find uh, a lot of things like that have happened where where we we. Uh, Lost a lot of the knowledge uh, that that was there in the beginning. I feel that uh, Jesus was a, an incredible shaman. He had uh, power over the wind and the waters and uh, the elements, and and uh, he demonstrated this many times. So this is something that uh, a shaman of different ages and different cultures have. Uh, been able to demonstrate, and uh, we only have records in in the New Testament of this, and and also in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, we grew up uh, loving stories. I think many of us to hear how Moses uh, called up the winds to still the to to part the Red Sea, and how how Christ stilled the storm. And uh, Saint Francis had animals that would come to him, uh, totally unafraid. And we said, yeah, but this is something that these great souls in the remote past uh, were able to do, but it certainly doesn't have anything to do with us. Well, it has everything to do with us. These great souls uh, came to show us who we are and that these are abilities that, that lie dormant within all of us. The, 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 the demonstrations of these great souls were a wake-up call for us, but very few people woke up and said, this is about me. This is something that all of us uh, should have the ability to do. 
Now, you say you got your ability or you became aware of this. It was very natural. And at the time, you said uh, you didn't understand where that knowledge came from. But now that makes me believe that today you do have a grip, an understanding of where your knowledge came from or, or your affinity for yes. shamanism. Please, please enlighten us. Well, I, one of the things that happened to me uh, when I was still a priest in the church uh, is that I began having a recall of uh, a number of past lives. At that time, I did not uh, believe in reincarnation, but the, the, uh, the memories that started emerging were so uh, uh, amazing, and they seemed to totally apply to me that, that I finally had to... to uh, uh, accept reincarnation as uh, as uh, something that was very real, and that I had lived at other times and in other places, and and in some of these memories, I, I had been uh, involved in uh, shamanic work uh, as a shaman or a medicine person uh, in in not only in the Americas but in Australia, in uh, Africa. And so the knowledge was there, down deep in my unconscious. And what was happening is that it it, it began to surface. Uh, and so I not only began to recall these past lives, but I also had an awakening through memory of ability to to uh, what's known as control the elements or master the elements. Uh, uh, and so for me, uh, the uh, the first time that I called in a storm to end a, uh, a severe drought in uh, in the in western Wyoming uh, it was uh, amazingly effective and a storm that had not even been predicted came in within hours after I did this ceremony to end the drought and I seem to know this I seem to remember uh, shortly after that I uh, did another ceremony in northern Arizona that was suffering uh, from a two and a half year drought, and uh, the next day uh, they had the, the uh, storm of the decade, and and so uh, at first it was amazing to me that that I had this uh, power over the wind and the, the elements, and and then. I realize that this is something that we all have, and this is what I teach in my classes and the international apprenticeship program that I started is is that that uh, we have these abilities within ourselves, and we have bought into a false set of beliefs about who we are and and about the nature of this world, and and we uh, and this has been very limiting and very disempowering because we've accepted. Uh, these uh, false belief systems that have been uh, there imposed on us. When when our when we were toddlers and adults began talking to us about who we were and and what the world is about, we bought it unquestionably. But but this was a very limiting and false idea about the world and about us. And it wasn't their fault because they'd been given the same uh, false information and. And so I realized that we have to break out of this, uh, break out of our consensus reality if we're going to really uh, have any understanding uh, of what is true. Uh, this really began my quest for, for truth, is the awakening yeah. of these abilities. And how did the church take the awakening of your abilities? I mean, was it a gradual thing? Uh, or did you just suddenly one day say, you know, I have a different calling? What I found is that uh, there was a split 
in the uh, church. Some were just, it was like a breath of fresh air. And we had people, uh, this happened in Atlanta, where I had a church and people were coming from all over the city. A Pulitzer Prize winning journalist began uh, attending church and and publishing my sermons, uh, my very unorthodox sermons on his syndicated column. And so I got quite a lot of notoriety. But I realized also that it was uh, that that many people were in opposition to these uh, this new information, uh, this new interpretation of uh, uh, Christian doctrines and dogma. And so I I that chose to you know depart uh, the uh, mainstream Christianity and 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 pursue this knowledge to get on my own path. I, I feel that that uh, in many ways the, my work as a shaman, it, whereas it's, it's pulled me away from uh, much of uh, Orthodox Christianity, it has brought me closer to Christ and to the teachings of Christ. Okay, now, Peter, you know, there's some interesting things going on in our world right now. And there are, you know, there's a lot of focus about 2012, and and we see a lot of argument about whether or not the decline in our environment is due to man-caused things. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of global warming when I say that. Uh, and, and you're in touch. I mean, you know, all of this started for you as a result of... Uh, your your experience with how man had become disconnected from from earth uh if i read your material yes, correctly correct. what, so what is it you know that we're coming up on now that 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 this is all about is is it really all about we have just disgraced our planet uh it is time to awaken is it about politics what's it about well i think that the 2012 is uh uh, is a, a very valid uh, date that uh, is given, and it's found in the Mayan calendar. The Mayans had an incredible track record, uh, and uh, they were able to actually predict major events. The Mayans, for example, predicted to the year the coming of the Europeans to America, and they described uh, these uh, these pale-faced, bearded strangers that would have uh, uh, have iron rods, or uh, have rods uh, that would uh, make the sound of thunder and kill at a distance, and that they would wear suits of metal. And they said this would be the end of their culture. Uh, in fact, they, the Mayan calendar had been so accurate that 50 years before the Spaniards arrived, uh, Montezuma found that people were becoming more and more uh on more more and more troubled and uh more difficult to control because they they knew what was coming so much so that he had, they had the the great uh calendar stone calendar uh buried in mud and and he had his uh, sculptures put a a false calendar out in places that that did not show the coming of the Spaniards. Uh, so many of the predictions were accurate, and we have to take it seriously uh, that okay. Peter, something I'm gonna, has I'm happened. Gonna ask, I'm going to ask you to hold that sure. until we come back from break. We have a hard break coming up. Uh, you're listening to Provocative and Light. We're chatting with the real deal, our shaman friend, Peter Calhoun. You can follow the links under Provocative Enlightenment on eldentaylor.com to Peter's website, his books, and his other work, including the classes he's been talking about, some of the retreats uh, that he does where you get an opportunity to actually go out there 
and um, learn to be the shaman, live in the back country, and see what Peter does as he manipulates nature. We'll be right back after the following words from our friends. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's Inner Talk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. InnerTalk.com. Do you feel like you've become lost in a funhouse? Only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto the path leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Elton Taylor's New York Times best-selling book, Choices and Illusions, now expanded, updated, and revised. It will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free from your current perceptions and begin your journey to how high is up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. Now, if you just joined us, I'm Eldon Taylor. My guest is uh, Peter Calhoun, and we're discussing shamanism. And just before we went to the break, Peter, you were talking about the uh, accuracy of the calendar, the Mayan calendar, and indeed it was so accurate that Montezuma modified it some. But I guess the bottom line then, do you see 2012 as an impending Armageddon, an awakening? What do you? How do you see 2012? No, I, I don't see it uh, as... As uh, representing Armageddon, I believe that uh, that is certainly one of the possible futures that we had. But I think because of the uh, the spiritual awakening that has happened all over, that that we have been able to to uh, cancel that uh, possible future out. And uh, what I see that 2012 it is uh, it marks uh, a, a whole new cycle that is unlike anything that that we've known it's unlike anything we can really imagine it is uh, a time of the changing of the guards um when i was uh in the early 70s before anyone was talking about the mayan calendar the 2012 date i was having visions uh, that uh about this time coming up and i didn't fully understand it but i saw that shortly after the millennium 2012, in other words, that we would experience uh, a cessation of linear time. 
that history as we know it would come to an end and that that uh, everything uh, it would exist in the now rather than past, present, and future. I didn't fully understand that at the time. I saw also uh, a second Earth that existed in the future, and and this was this was the Earth that a uh, fifth dimensional Earth as opposed to a second, third dimensional Earth that and in, in which uh, our human our species would would ascend to a whole new level and life would be very very different at that time for those who chose to uh, to do their homework and to and to raise their consciousness uh, that they would inherit uh, a world that is uh, that ha- that has been purified and purged of of the greed and the negativity and and a much more positive world to be in. So I see 2012 as heralding uh, difficult times, yes, for a while. But uh, out of those difficulties, we're coming into uh, into a world that is so beautiful and yet so indescribable that uh, from what we know now that it would probably be meaningless if we did try to describe it. Uh, this is uh, this is what we have to await and yes, there will be difficult times, but it's not going to be the destruction of our earth or the end of humanity on this planet. Uh, there was probably that possibility, but we have... Uh, we have uh, moved past that as a possible future, and uh, I think you you don't think that it's just the end of another calendar. I mean, we come to December no, it's 31st not the end of another calendar. calendar and the, okay. the, the Mayan calendar is based on on uh, at least four interlocking uh, uh, systems uh, of uh, measuring time. And one, for example, is the uh, Venus. Uh, cycle uh, that was very important for Native Americans, and it's when these four different uh, interlocking systems are at certain points they come together. Whether let's say all four systems that uh, seem to lock in at a specific time, and those are the really uh, powerful times of change, and this is what we are facing with uh, the time 2012 coming up, uh, I would say that very definitely there there will be, it marks the, the time of change. Now, it could be very subtle, uh, but definitely from that point on, our world will not be the same, and we'll okay. be moving in a very different direction. We we have several questions out of our chat room and callers. Sure. Uh, and before I jump to that, one of the questions here, straight out of the chat room, is it bears relevance on what you're just saying. The question is, how is a shaman different from other psychics? I mean, um, and I guess as as I listen to you tell me about the dreams that you had in the '70s, you know, I'm in I'm I know that a large part of your work is, is genuine. Don't get me wrong, but I'm also going to ask you just very candidly: these dreams ever wrong, Peter? I mean, what is the difference between a shaman and a psychic? Well, the dreams are, are more visions. And uh, the the ones that I've had that that can be proved have proved out. Uh, for example, I had a uh, a dream, a lucid dream of uh, the eruption of Mount Saint Helens six months before it happened, and I uh, uh, mentioned this that there would be eruptions in the Cascades, uh, and 
into uh, newspaper interviews in Kansas City and in uh, Texas, and uh, it turned out that, yes, there was the eruption. Uh, you know, no one foresaw that. And uh, so, uh, there, but there's some that, you know, when you dream about uh, the uh, the end of an age and and the changes that could occur, there's no way to, to prove that. Uh, it is uh, just based on on the dreams that that can be proved. I would say that I have to put a lot of stock in these visions, uh, and perhaps uh, they are subject to a number of different interpretations. But this is definitely going to be a a time of great great change. That uh, when we come to that 2012 day, and from that point on, our world is going to be a very different place in which to live. I didn't answer your question, the difference between a shaman and a psychic. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I would say um, a shaman's work is to be a bridge between this world and the invisible world, and also a bridge between this world and the the natural world, the world of nature. And so the shaman uh, would have the responsibility if there are droughts of of calling in the storms so the crops could grow. Uh, If the if they were having uh, uh, gale force winds, then the shaman should have the ability to stop those winds. And uh, uh, and so the, this is perhaps one of the differences is that uh, that deep connection with the natural world. My my wife Astrid, for example, uh, uh, has demonstrated this many times herself. She's a, a remarkable shaman. She has deer that come up to her. Um, when we're camping just out of the woods and they, instead of running off, they drop to their knees 10 feet away from her and just gazing at her in total trust. She has had birds that come and light on her body or light on her hair. Uh, she's able to call animals out of the woods, uh, animals that uh, I've seen her call bear and bison and to herself and uh, uh, even a five-foot uh uh, black snake. I, uh, I saw her call it and had it come to her. And and uh, another time she, when we had a fire that was we were camped out in uh, Canyonlands in a canyon, and the fire was uh, forest fire was racing down the canyon, propelled by a, a uh, 35 mile an hour wind, and we were having to make a quick exit. And I asked her uh, to uh, to stop it, and she. Gazed at that and asked the wind spirits to stop, and the, there was a dead calm, and the fire burned itself out. And that 35 mile an hour wind had been blowing for four days and nights uh, steadily, and it came to a dead halt within minutes when she did this. I like to have, uh, I don't like to not just do these things myself, but to have Astrid demonstrate them also because. Because I certainly don't want to get the idea that I have an exclusive on this, and and I'm, that we have well, indeed, all this ability. Indeed, you teach your students to do that. Now, yes, exactly. in line with that, the shamans also are healers. We have a yes. caller on line one. Okay, and, sure. And let's just go to let's go to Jan right now in Las Vegas, Nevada, and let's see. Oh, thank how you, you so much. Hi, Jan. Hi, I can't believe this. This is amazing. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was an Episcopalian priest, and so uh, we, I said, Mom, we've got to listen to him, and we've got you on, and she's listening to you in the other room, and just we're listening to every word you're saying, because um, that's my grandfather, who's a 
priest, and it's so neat to hear what you're saying because I totally agree with you just about everything you're saying. And anyway, um, my question, though, however, I don't know if how you would feel about this, though, because um, it doesn't have to do with weather or anything. It has to do with my health. Oh, yes. Okay, and um, I've been sick for a long time and uh, not getting over it, and I just wondered if you had any intuitive feelings or um, anything about when I might be able to get over this and get back into life or if you have any kind of suggestion or if you can... No one can really pinpoint where this illness is or what it is. It's completely disabled me. I'm not able, I don't have any energy and inability to digest a lot of foods, but we try, I try everything. I've been to Mayo Clinic. They call it chronic fatigue syndrome, which is like an autoimmune system problem. And so maybe that's what it is, but I, I just wonder if I'm going to be able to um, come out of it and go back into work. And I do massage. I'm into healing myself and I'm, athletic and just I don't know if you have any uh, I have we have the church coming over and yeah. praying for me and all kind we just I'm doing all kinds of stuff I've called um, shaman, uh, shaman healers and just all kinds of people to get help and I just wanted to know what you might think if first of all if you would like to uh, uh, contact me okay. uh, at eight six five mm-hmm Four one four. Oh, beautiful. Two zero nine one, and I will. Uh, I, I feel that that this is something that that can be healed, oh, and uh, I do work over the phone. Okay. Uh, this is a uh, you, you have uh, uh, something has happened in your your immune system. Okay. Uh, has uh, been very greatly damaged. I don't know. I think that you're very sensitive to radiation from computers and cell phones, so be very careful being okay. around those. Uh, you might uh, just check and see if, if when you are uh, around computers and cell phones for a mm-hmm. time, if you don't feel uh, a debilitation. And uh, and I uh, I think that uh, there is also uh, just a, a toxicity. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so some uh, some diets eliminating, trying to eliminate the toxins will right. help you. Right. But I will uh, try to see what I can do. Oh, that'd be great. Sure. Do you do you feel that I'm, I'll be able to get over this and I, get I back do. into life? I do, yeah. and otherwise I wouldn't have offered to, to okay. work with you like this. Well, uh, bless your heart. Thank you so much. I will definitely yeah. be calling you. I'm, I'm just yeah. so thrilled that you you are an Episcopalian priest. I mean, this is this is our family. This is our bloodline. Yeah, I understand, <laughs> and I want to say at this time I'm not really uh, doing... Yeah. Uh, healing with the public because I'm uh, have started an international apprenticeship program and uh, mm-hmm. training people to do the same things we do and right. also am, am working on a book. But uh, because of this uh, connection, I, I'm willing to work with you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. God bless you and God. thanks a lot. I'll be calling you. <laughs> of course. Okay. Thanks for calling, Jan. You, Thank you. Uh, have a wonderful new year. You too. All right. Thank you. All right. Now, now, Peter, out of our chat room, a man is asking then, and I think you've kind of given this answer, but it ties into what we're saying here. If shaman have all these abilities, she says, do we have these abilities too? And what is the best way to develop them? Well, the best way to develop this, no magic pill. 
there's no red or blue pill that you swallow. There's no special no. technique. <laughs> no, that's but, just, hey, if there's not immediate gratification, how can anybody <laughs> ever do course. it? Well, the amazing thing is it's so simple, and that is changing our perception of who we are and, and, and changing our perception of the world because we have been given uh, it with this false belief system that's been uh, we've inherited. Uh, this belief system is so narrow and so limiting. It describes a world that, does, that this really doesn't exist. The world that we're a part of is, is so much greater and so much more magical and more loving and more wonderful than the that than the the linear uh, description of of the the world that we've been given and and we are uh, as as spiritual beings uh, created in the image of our creator we are vast beyond imagination and we we seldom get glimpses of the totality of ourselves but if we let go of the of the uh, condition uh, of the beliefs that about who we are that we've been given, then that frees us. That we letting go of of the belief systems about who we are and about the earth uh, will open us up to these abilities. Then, then it's rather easy to to get them uh, through through meditation, through spiritual practices, and sometimes just spontaneously it begins to happen. So we're our own worst enemies with the the things that that we believe the false ideas about this this world if we believe uh, that that we are wretched beings that have committed some kind of strange thing called an unforgivable sin you know and that uh, that that uh we have to be saved by someone out there then then that's what we get but if we if we believe that we are beings that uh, are without limitations, that we are manifestations of an infinite creator, and as such, we have no limitations uh, except those that we accept, then then we begin to experience the magic and the, 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 the beauty of who we are. If we believe that the world is a, uh, a cold, mechanistic phenomenon of nature, that's what we get. If we believe that the world is, is a, the expression of a divine being then that's what we get we we experience the magic and the uh the, the beauty so it has to do with changing the way we perceive changing perception and the, book is, and the book is soul on fire and everybody needs to read this book it's a wonderful book but now you opened up uh what i'm just going to call a can of worms and, and you know i received a number of letters this uh last couple of weeks and they and they all had to do with one one issue the problem of evil in the world. Now, you're a trained theologian. You're also a shaman. So I'm going to come right at you with this question. Mm-hmm. There is a, a lot of information out there that we think of generally as New Age information. Mm-hmm. Information, okay. Uh, the, the so-called Aquarian conspiracy information mm-hmm. that tells us there is no such thing as evil in the world. There never was any kind of a battle in heaven. There was never, you know, all of this archangel stuff is just nonsense. The fact of the matter is the evil that's in the world is man-made, and it's a problem of resistance. What's your take on evil in the world, Peter Calhoun? (laughs) I, I feel that the world is inherently good, and we are inherently good, but this is a free will universe. 
And we have the choice uh, to fall beneath what we truly are intended to be. And I think when we fall beneath, we, we call this evil, when we go against our, our nature. Uh, we have the freedom to do this because there's freedom of choice. And so, in a sense, we do create this so-called evil. And yes, I believe that there are conspiracies. Uh, I believe that there has uh, there have been higher beings that uh, have manipulated uh, uh, human beings uh, that have interfered with our life. But it is uh, but we don't have to buy into this because we are beings without limitations. And if we accept the belief that that uh, that uh, we have we are powerless and have no ability to resist these so-called supernatural powers or to resist uh, that we have no ability to to go against uh, some kind of world conspiracy then that's the way it's going to be for us but if we no one can truly do anything to us without our permission conscious or unconscious i had a dream a recurring dream all of my life of being in a concentration camp and it was so lucid i would wake up and i would feel just this terrible uh, oppression all day for for a day or two uh, one day i dreamed uh, that i was in this concentration camp and there were guard towers and a 15 foot barbed wire fence and i noticed one whole side was missing and I looked out of this beautiful prairie and snow-capped mountains, and I thought, my God, I could have walked out of this prison any time. I just didn't know it. And so I walked out. Nobody shot me. Uh, and I walked out into my freedom, and the dream stopped coming, the, the recurring dream I'd had all my life. And to me, that's a parable for who we are. We are in a prison, but we don't have to be. We can. We are free to walk out by changing our perception of things, as I did in this dream. Okay, so I mean that reminds me of hypnotizing Maria, which is Richard Bach's newest book, and I happen to really love that book. Uh-huh. You know, uh, but it's it's the story of somebody that gets hypnotized on the stage, and they're hypnotized, and the audience is watching, and of course the audience uh, sees this person doing what they can only laugh at, but the person themselves feels very imprisoned, okay? Yeah. Uh, and it is really just this issue of perception, but that doesn't answer the heart of the question. What about Archangel Michael and the battles in heaven and and, and how that contrasts with what... I mean, I, I can accept what you just said, and now I'm going to push you onto the next level. You say there are higher beings. Explain that, please. Well, there are beings that uh, are in higher dimensions than than uh, than our third dimensional world, and these beings have their own. Uh, they they have free choice also, and some have uh, some of these beings have what we call fallen. There is something to these myths. They don't arise out of out of uh, nothing. They don't arise even out of our ignorance. But what I'm saying is that that we don't have to be uh, affected by this. Yes, I think that there probably was a rebellion. Uh, There probably are fallen angels. And uh, and yet my my point is that that this affects us only if we if we accept this uh, the, the idea that we are that we're pawns in a chessboard that we that we don't have any power, that we are limited, then, then, then we find that, uh, 
that this becomes a, a reality in our life, and and we live very limited lives. So what you're saying, if if I if I can paraphrase it, if I get it correctly, what you're saying is essentially uh, part of the hypnotic session. To go back to that metaphor is that we're under the control of these other beings when indeed we're not? Under the control, uh, but we don't have to be. It's only because we have acquiesced, we have, uh, we have refused to, uh, to get on the path of growth. And when we come here and, and spend our time just in, in indulging in, in the world and in life and, and don't come here for the reason we've come, and that is to 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 grow, to, to bring about changes that we need in our life and to grow uh, spiritually, then, then we do become prey. Okay, Peter. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, where, where to get your book, uh, uh, your website, etc. The, the website is www.petercalhoun.com, uh, and you can look through the website also. There are three chapters you can download of my book, Soul on Fire. Uh, you can order it or, or get it at any Barnes & Noble and other bookstores, and uh, my uh, my. Email address is info at petercalhoun.com. I can't, uh, uh, because of the time problem and because I do get emails from all over the world, I don't have the time to actually answer uh, all your emails, but keep them short and they will be read. And uh, That's great. Okay, Peter, we really want to thank you for coming on the show. We've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. In addition to thanking our guest today, I want to thank all of you out there for joining us and listening in. My guest next week is Anna Maria Hemingway, and we're going to be talking about life after death, the opposite sides of two coins, if you will. I suppose we all ought to be thinking about what is the afterlife? Uh, is there some kind of preparation for it? Well, she's done an awful lot of research and work on it. I think you want to join us. Accounts of near-death experiences and after-death communication. Okay, as I paraphrase every week, above all else, until next week, above all else, know thyself.